we've heard um, <clears throat> already about the invitation of Jesus to us to come and follow him, to live life differently, to be his or not our own. I'd like to read um, a whole chapter of the Bible to us and then uh, sort of go back over it a little bit. just want it to sink in. So um, I'm going to read Romans chapter 12. I'm reading from the uh, New International Version. So um, if you've got a Bible and you want to follow on, please do. But if you just want to kick back and listen to these words. So uh, we've got a guy called Paul and he's writing to a church in a place called Rome. And we're sort of zoning into a little bit of the letter that he wrote to them. And he says this, I urge you, I urge you, brothers and sisters, yes, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to everyone, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with a sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. See, just as each one of us has a body with many parts, and these parts of our body do not have the same function, so in Christ Jesus, we who are many form one body. And each part of that body belongs to all the other parts of the body. We have different gifts according to the grace of God given to us. If a person's gift is prophesying, then let them use it into proportion of their faith. If it is serving, let them serve. If it is teaching, let them teach. If it is encouraging, let them encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let them give generously. If it is leadership, let them govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let them do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly, sisterly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited or big-headed. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. 
Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I think, wow, if everybody lived like that, I'd want to be part of that people, wouldn't you? I'd want to be on the receiving end of that kind of, of life. And this is the kind of life that is offered to us in Jesus. When someone believes in Jesus and they're born again of the Spirit of God, they not only start a new life as a new creation, but they join a new family. So you see, once we were not a people, but those who believe in Jesus become the people of God and are called to live in a peaceful, joyful, harmonious, loving, deep uh, relationship of fellowship with one another, all because of what Christ Jesus has done. So the chapter started off with Paul saying, I urge you, I urge you, and that is such a strong word in the Greek. It's, I plead with you, I beg of you, come on, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done, in view of what God has done, I want you to do something. And that leads us into chapter, you know, give yourself, Give your life to him. Live it as a living sacrifice to God. But first of all, in view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done. We've heard from others today, and Anthony prayed it. What has God get done? Well, God, the creator of earth, God, the creator of the universe, God, the creator of you and me, has come down from heaven and stepped into enemy-occupied creation. And he's become one of us. God himself lived as a man. And he lived a perfect life. And he made an amazing difference to those people that came in contact with him. He transformed and changed lives. He called people out of darkness and into light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't be walking in darkness anymore. You'll have the light of life. Come out of the shadows, come out of the darkness, come out of all the crud and walk in the light of heaven. And he's saying the same thing today. Come, follow me. And so Jesus lived the most amazing, perfect life in obedience to his father, in relationship with him, and he did life well, super well. And people were struck 
by the words that he said and the things that he did. Amazing Jesus. He divided opinion. Those people hated him. They were jealous about him. They wanted to kill him. And do you know what? Jesus willingly chose to let himself be killed, to be crucified on the cross. He could have called down a legion of armies to kick their heads in, but he didn't. He said, no, no, these people need my help. And the help I can give them is to give my life, to die in their place instead of them. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. Jesus never sinned. Sin. Eye disease. Not that we got something wrong with the eyes, but I want this and I want that and it's all about me. A selfish, self-centred way of living that grabs at everything just to enable us to cope with life here on earth in all its darkness. But Jesus stepped into our darkness. He became one of us and then he died our death. A horrific, cruel death. He didn't just die, he suffered. And he suffered gladly. And he suffered with joy. The Bible says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus went to the cross and died instead of you and instead of me with joy because what he wants more than anything else is for people like me and you to be reconciled with him, to be in right relationship with him, to know the love of the Father, our creator God, to know the warmth and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so if we believe that, that God did this for us, if we start daring to believe that God himself would take our place and die our death so that we could have his life, that we could be forgiven for everything we've ever said or done or thought that isn't pleasing to God, that sin, doesn't matter what other people say, doesn't matter what other people think, what is God's opinion? What is God's judgment? So Jesus died for us. He was buried in a tomb. He was raised from the dead. He gave many convincing appearances that he was indeed alive. And then many saw him lifted up and raised into heaven where he's now seated in the place of authority and power at the right hand of the Father. They got together, they sent down the promised Holy Spirit so that God by his Spirit would come and live in people to empower and enable us to live lives that are pleasing to God. No longer self-centred lives, but lives that are there for the glory of God and to love other people. Jesus will come again. He will return. And, and at the right time, he will come back and he will judge the living and the dead. Each one of us are going to stand before him. Thank God, thank Jesus, that I don't have to stand there and say, well, look, 
this is what I've done, this is what I've tried to do. Thank God I can say, Jesus died for me in my place to forgive me. I can only come to you, oh God, judge of all, because of what Jesus has done. And you know, it is a free gift. It is a free gift of grace. Not by works that no one earns it or deserves it. The only way is to receive the invitation, the free gift, the invitation. It's for you. I died for you. I died for you. I died for you. I died to set you free from the power of sin and death and darkness. I came that you can have life in all its fullness, abundant, free, energising, eternal life. That's what he's done of us in view of God's mercy. Well, if he's done everything for us in view of God's mercy, it seems only right that we give ourselves back to him. You know, we celebrate we rejoice. We are glad about so many things. Okay? Sorry, I don't normally talk about football, but yesterday, Tottenham, they scored a goal in very end and of, of the time. And you know what? The players celebrated. The fans celebrated. They were rejoicing. They were glad. And somebody, well, what are they doing they celebrated. Have they won the Champions League or something? I've missed out. And you know what? They were celebrating something that, in one sense, is meaningless. It's a load of rubbish. But we need to know the art of celebration, the art of rejoicing, the art of being glad, because our God has done a great thing. And it's worth celebrating. It's worth rejoicing. Go over the joy again and again so that we can be glad and celebrate. Okay? So let's celebrate and be thankful for all the small, insignificant things. But let's make sure we are celebrating and thankful for the most important, life-changing thing. Christ died for us. The godly for the ungodly. He became one of us so that we could become like him. He wants to get us out of our, our crud and into goodness and life and longevity and flourishing and prospering. He died to change us, change our perspective, change how we do life. That's what he wants for us. Not a, oh, I believe in Jesus, I've got a ticket to heaven. No, no, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual acts of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, your old life, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change your thinking, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Because beforehand, we don't want to know God's will. We don't like God's will. I don't want God's will. What, I've got to forgive somebody else? Why should I forgive them? I want to indulge my sinful nature. I want to indulge my whatever it is. But God's saying, I don't want you to do that, because that isn't true life, that is death. 
It is destruction, but this is life. But when we realise how good God is, when we know what he has done for us, we can go, do you know what? I'm changing my mind. What God's will is, is actually really good for me and for everybody else. The rest of the chapter, you know, of us playing our parts in the body of Christ. We're all different, but we've all got a part to play. Us being part of a loving community. Love must be sincere, he says. Sincere, without hypocrisy, without pretending, without play-acting, but really loving one another, not because you're drumming something up, but because you realise God's love, receiving God's love, and then pouring out God's love. Like If we're not connected, as it were, to the tap, to the fountain, we've got nothing to give. We need to remain in him, receive from him his life, and then, boy, all heaven can break loose. And that's what this chapter is talking about. So come in the opposite spirit. So if, you know, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to eat. Do kind things to everybody. In this, you will heap burning coals in their head. The motivation isn't to make some. I'm going to do something really kind to you so that you're miserable. I'm going to make you feel it. No, the motivation is, look at what God's done for me. Look at the forgiveness I've received. Look at the grace I've got. Look at his kindness. I'm at the receiving end, so I want to give it out to other people. And then as we do great good things they will go, why is this person being like that for me? As Anthony prayed, God, creator, why are you doing this for me? And you might be wondering, God, why are you so good to me? I know what I've done. And God's going, I know what you've done, but you need help. And I'm coming to rescue you, to save you, to heal you, to deliver you, to make you into the person that I always intended you to be. Wow. And so, we aren't to be those that are overcome by evil, getting bitter, resentful, judgy, critical, but those that forgive and those that love, not in our own strength, but in all that he has done for us. Agreement with God. And so Jesus, when he was with his friends, he... uh, he took some bread and he took a cup and he said, he said this. So while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, gave thanks for the bread. He broke the bread. He gave it to those with him, his disciples, saying, take it, eat it. This is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he offered the cup to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And then Paul writes another letter. He writes a letter to the church in Corinth and he's heard about Jesus. He's heard about Jesus breaking the bread. He's heard about Jesus sharing the cup. And then he writes to the church, he says this, The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, so he was betrayed, but he was still full of love, mercy, kindness, forgiveness. On the night he was betrayed, he took some bread 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body. This is my body. This bread represents my body. It is broken for you. My life, Jesus said, my life, my body is broken for you. His body was broken on the cross for us. And then he says, do this in remembrance of me. Eat this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant, the new agreement between God and people. In my blood, do this whenever you drink this, in remembrance of me. Think about me, wonder about me, remember me, celebrate me, enjoy me, rejoice in me in what has happened. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He's coming back in judgment. We're proclaiming him until he comes. And then every eye will see, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Then he goes on to them. Now, I think in Corinth they were... They were getting a bit, I'm not saying you are, but I think they were getting a bit out of hand, a bit wayward, because he's saying, look, therefore whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So, a person ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognising the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on themselves. So, so this is ordinary, but it's special. It is set apart. He's, our Lord Jesus saying, do this in remembrance of me. Here's some bread, here's some drink. It's not wine, it's, it's juice. But we are like entering into something that is holy, it's different, it's special. And so we need to recognise the body of Jesus in that Jesus who gave him his life for us, but also recognise, as Kate prayed earlier, we're not an ordinary group of people. This isn't an ordinary meeting. This is a sp- that we are a special, called-out group of people chosen by God to be a holy priesthood a different sort of people, a people who live different in this world. And so he's, he's calling us into this. And so we ought to examine ourselves. So I'm offering again an invitation to you. This is Jesus' invitation to us. Come to me. Believe in me. Trust me with what I've done for you. Believe and now repent. Change your mind So anything that you now go, oh, actually, because there were things that I did in my life that I didn't think were wrong. I thought they were all right. Everyone else, oh, well, yeah, fantastic. And then when I come to know Jesus, it was like, oh, all those things that I said and did, they weren't pleasing to you, God. I was just caught up in myself, in my hurts, in my habits, in my hang-ups, in my problems, in my issues. I was just trying to make myself feel better. But now you have come to bring healing in my life. And so, Jesus, I want to change my thinking. I want to turn, repent, 
turn from all those things that I now know are wrong, agree that you are good and right and I will follow you. So we need to recognise, am I in Christ? Am I believing in him? If so, I've become a new creation. I'm part of a new family, the church. I need to recognise my sin and my sinfulness and I need to repent of it. I need to ask God to forgive me. And then when we ask God to forgive us, what we need to do is hold, stand and receive his forgiveness. Too many people walk around with, without feeling and knowing that they're forgiven. And God wants us to know we are forgiven. Because if we hang on to the past and hold on to it, we're stuck. When we're forgiven, we walk in freedom. That thing's got, no longer got any power over me. He has said that I am let off. He doesn't count it against me anymore. He's not going to bring it up in a conversation. He's not going to drag it up and accuse me of this. Now I've admitted it and confessed it, he forgives me. And you know, you, you'd be better off forgiving yourself as well. Not just receiving God's forgiveness, but forgiving yourself. Letting yourself off the hook. Let yourself off because it's a desperate place to live in unforgiveness. You know what I'm saying. Let yourself off. When you receive God's forgiveness, forgive yourself. And then align yourself. Lord, I, I've been forgiven, so I want to start living more and more towards you. I want to agree with more and more towards you. The lies that I've been believing, I don't want them anymore. I want your truth to take prominence in my life. I want your truth to transform me. I want your truth to change me so that I become all the person you've made me to be. Now, there's a process in that. I know I've said loads of words, but may by the Spirit of God, your spirit be responding. It's not that we understand everything. When I first started from Jesus, I knew, well, probably know nothing now, but I knew nothing. I understood nothing, but I knew that he loved me and I knew he died for me. And that's good enough. Okay. So the invitation is there to you and me.